Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Excited to have you here for another exciting episode around best practices in your practice. Now, as you know, if you are a first-time listener, welcome. Welcome to our show. But if you have listened to our show before, if you've gotten any value from it whatsoever, please make sure to subscribe and download episodes. Make sure you put the alerts on so that when new episodes are released, which they are every week, two episodes a week, that you can get the alert on that. And don't forget to share it with your friends and colleagues to let them also learn these best practices. Now, today we're gonna be talking about something that is very near and dear to my heart because it's where I started my professional career with helping couples with their relationships, helping them understand uh, the value of those relationships. And if they are having to navigate a divorce, how to do that powerfully. And we have an expert on with us today, Dr. Marlene Beesup. And Dr. Marlene, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. And did I say Beesup and it's supposed to be Bizups? That's okay. Either That's one. Right. I will answer to either one. I always joke because with a name like Dino, like I'm kind of partial to names and, and people may say Dino all the time to me. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show. You bet. Thanks for having me. Well, what we like to do with the show is we always like to first, instead of having me introduce the guest, I would love to hear your story. Here to find out uh, exactly how you got into this world, uh, what is it you do, and um, then we'll go on from the conversation from there. Okay. So for about 20 years, a little over 20 years, I've been an evaluator for the courts in divorce cases. Oh, interesting. And pretty early into that 20 plus years, I decided there has to be a better way of handling divorce than the way we often do, which is to lawyer up, fight it out. Um, it's all about winning and it's not about collaborating. And I don't mean to bag on attorneys, they are perfectly fine people, but their job as an attorney is to represent the best interest of their client it's not to work out an agreement. Mm. So naturally they, um, in the course of doing what they do, perpetuate the conflict. So I decided about five years ago to write the book that had been on my heart for about 17 or 18 years. Wow. I finally got it written, Contentious Custody, Is It Really in the Best Interest of Your Children? And I found out very much by, by accident that there's such a thing as a divorce coach. Yes. So long story short, I became certified as a divorce coach. Wow. And I now help people sit down. We sit down together at the table. We work it out. We talk to your children. Um, and it's a peaceful process. What a uh, challenging and yet I bet also rewarding, but uh, I think when people think about the jobs that they would like to do to sit between two people going through a divorce might not be top of the, the, the mind. <laughs> to do. Not, doesn't that, sound like a fun day at the park. That is correct. And actually after the first evaluation I did for the court, I said, never again. Oh, wow. But I'm trying to support a private practice, and I took yeah. another case and another case, and then I developed a passion for the work. 
I'm a child of divorce. I've been divorced as an adult and I developed a passion. And really what I do is help people learn to love their children more than they hate their ex. Wow. That's a very big statement there. Love your children more than you hate your ex. And I, you know, I can just hear in my, in my headphones here, people yelling out, but, but, but what about this? What about this? Like, oh yeah, I tried that. Or, oh, you don't know my spouse or ex-spouse or whatever. Yes. I think your perspective is very interesting because like myself, being a child of divorce, you have a perspective of that child. And a lot of people, I think, give lip service to that side of things with the kids and what the impact it has. And I've even seen some studies that have tried to claim that there really isn't any long-term effects on those children and stuff like that. But to also have the perspective of being an adult who's been through a divorce as well, puts you in a really unique position. It does. It does. I mean, I hate to say that I had to go through those things to make me the professional that I am, Mm -hmm. uh, but it does give me a, a unique perspective. Well, it's like uh, Tony Robbins once said, he said, look, if you're going to blame that bad situation in your life for all of the bad things that's happened to you, you also have to blame it and accept it for all the good things that have happened to you. Correct. And, that's and right. I, look, I look at that in my own life and I tell people all the time, man, um, you know, my parents divorced. I did not want it. I'm, you know, it, it caused a lot of pain and heartache for years and years and years. But now I sit here as a 47-year-old man going like, man, there's a lot of things I'm so grateful for that they went through divorce. Like, I probably wouldn't have the career I do and I go through divorce. Right. I probably right. owe them some money, but I'm not going to tell them that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, and I see a real difference, too, in the kids whose parents fight it out or sure. work it out. Yeah, it's it makes like sense. night and day. It makes sense. It really does. Yeah. Because... I even say, you know, a lot of our listeners are in the uh, dental and ortho space, uh, chiropractic, practice owners in general. But I used, I, I'll say on, on stage and stuff how, look, I remember being the, especially when my parents, when I had to get orthodontics, none of my brothers and sisters got orthodontics. I was the only person to get them. My teeth were very jacked up. And I was the cause of my parents' arguments through the divorce, right? When a lot of parents be like, it's not the kid's fault. It has nothing with them. It's like, no, no, no. I literally was the cause of their argument. Who's going to make that payment? Does he really need it? This is a bunch of bull. So it's a different mindset so that you're able to help people see that and get clarity on what it's doing and hopefully come to a peaceful uh, or at least acceptable resolution. Right. That's really, really powerful. Um, With your passion around that, what do you, um, how, how do you facilitate two people even getting to the place of being okay with using a divorce coach? Well, sometimes I am never able to bring the two together. I mean, yeah. that occasionally happens. Um, and you get people who are just never going to use a divorce coach because sure, of course. They, they already have made up their minds. They're going to fight it out and they're angry and they're resentful and bitter and yeah. Um, but a lot of times I will start with just meeting with each of them separately and then introducing them to the idea of meeting together. Mm. And I tell them for one thing, and this usually gets their attention, it's cost effective. So instead of meeting with you and then coming back to you and then going back to you, um, that gets expensive. Sure. And I also convince them, you know, when you have attorneys, there's two of them 
when you have a divorce coach, there's one of me. Mm. And so it saves in time and cost and most of all, the stress. It reduces the stress. With there being one of you, does it also allow you to then truly be in the position of uh, being on the side of, I guess, the children probably is the first step. But I think sometimes even in counseling, I've had this with plenty of clients who have said, counseling wise, the thing that frustrated them was that they felt like they were on her side or they were on his side and that they were choosing sides. How do you overcome that as a coach and play that middle ground? And uh, I do exactly what you said. I focus on the children. I tell them all the time, I don't care about you and I don't care about the other parents. I I care about your kids. And when I first say, I don't care about you, you can see them kind of taken aback. But then I say, and I don't care about the other parents. I care about your kids. And they are relieved. They appreciate that. Someone, I mean, look, they, I think most people can recognize how selfish they are in the middle of a divorce. Yes. And so to have someone say, cool, be as selfish as you want, but I'm still going to talk on behalf of the child. I used to say to my clients, look, you having an improved marriage, awesome. That's so cool. I'm so happy for you, but that's a byproduct. That's not what I'm going for. I'm right. going for that kid to see what a healthy, happy marriage is, to have a desire to want that in their own life. So yeah. I, totally, I totally get that. All right. So how do, you, how do clients find you and how do you start this conversation around what you do? Uh, well, they find me at Dr. Marlene, so drmarlene at marlenebizub.com. And it's M-A-R-L-E-N-E-B-I-Z-U-B.com. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Marlene at MarleneBizub.com. And you start the conversation by saying, we need to talk. I mean, it's really that simple. If you have an interest in using a divorce coach, nine times, more like nine and a half or nine and three quarter times out of 10, you're going to go that route. Nice. And you said earlier, sometimes it's hard to get them both on board so that it would just assume then that even if you're doing this alone, if your ex-spouse is not desiring to do this at all, not on board, it still is beneficial for the one person to come in. Correct. And that sometimes happens. My preference is to work with both parents, obviously. Yeah. But sometimes one is just not going to get on board. Right. So I work with the other one, whether they end up having an attorney or not, I'll work with the one who still wants to do it peacefully. Right. That makes sense. And that makes sense. And I believe that it, it does help uh, when you have just one person who can have some sort of perspective. Matter of fact, it builds a stronger muscle for when things are going to the frustrating route, if you will. Yes. Awesome. Correct. Yeah, because I also give them some guidelines for uh co-parenting. I don't just get them through the divorce. Um, Here in our community in Colorado Springs, I do the level two co-parenting class for the Mm -hmm. court. And that gives them the rules for co-parenting. And because I do that class and I have that knowledge and information, then I will use that in my coaching process with them. But at the very end, I say, okay, here are the ground rules for moving forward. And we set that out from the very beginning. 
That's nice. Um, I know that one of the things that I re- that really attracted me to the the topic and the title of this episode, which is navigating personal transitions, divorce, stress, and suicide, is the suicide part too. So I've had uh, I really made a huge transition in my business eight years ago, nine years ago, when I had a doc come up to me who, after one of my lectures, had said, "Look, you know everything you said was absolutely right." I I'm on my third divorce right now. It's bleeding me dry. My practice is not doing well. I know it's totally a reflection of how I feel and um, and, and my own mindset. But you know, I just I, I just am struggling. And then, long story short, uh, unfortunately, the gentleman of six months later ended up taking his own life. Mm-hmm. So this really is uh, connects with me because if whatever we can do from this show and from our perspective of giving people opportunities to speak out more, to ask for help, to realize there is help and assistance out there. And that, you know, that vulnerability is so important. Um, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So let's talk about what you see as the effects of these professionals, because you primarily, do you deal with any um, uh, profession or is it primarily in a dental and orthodontic space? Um, I deal with any. I, okay. I deal mostly with small practices. You know. Oh, great. Yes. Um, but what I see is there's an effect, of course, on productivity. Yeah. And then on morale. And one of the things that we don't do, that we have to do, is incorporate people's personal lives into work. Mm-hmm. Because we always say, okay, work is over here, home is over here, and the two should never mix. That's not realistic. You don't walk into your building at work and turn off your personal life. It just doesn't happen. So if a small practice can incorporate that, and what I mean by that is have one meeting a week, or maybe it's one a month if you can't do one a week, Mm -hmm. where you come in early, you have breakfast, and we talk about what's going on in your personal life. Mm-hmm. because otherwise it will happen on work hours. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, is that It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just they're control it. Talk on break or they're going to talk when they're supposed to be working. Yeah. You give them that opportunity and that outlet to talk about it and share. And a lot of times they feel better just for having shared what's going on. But also the real benefit is other people have often gone through whatever you're going through, whether it's a sure. divorce or depression or whatever it is. Um, and they can share resources. You know, here's a good therapist or here's yep. a good divorce coach or, you know, whatever it may be. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great thing to recognize. And more people don't see this until they do start having this conversation that we are definitely, it sounds cliche, but we're so much more alike than we are different. Um, yes, I love this idea about having a place to actually have safe conversations with one another about something's going on personal. We, you, we had talked a little bit on the pre-show about uh, where we had met and we met at the jumpstart event. And I will never forget last year at the jumpstart event, which was for those of you listening, it's a, uh, dental speakers, uh, kind of gathering conference, if you will. And there was a young woman who got up to give a small talk. I think it was a five-minute talk. And she talked about how she was a very good worker and she really enjoyed her job. And 
uh, one day she'd come in late and she was pretty late, like a couple of about 20, 30 minutes. And she was very, uh, people were upset about her, frustrated. And she knew that she was going to get the talk later on that afternoon. And the doc for sure said, Hey, we need to talk, you know, afterwards. And so she said, okay. And she brought her in and, and she basically was like, Hey, we can't have you being this late. You put, let the team down. Da, da, da. And she said, no, I totally understand. She said, um, I was late because I had to uh, crazy glue my husband's butt to the toilet seat because I didn't want him to beat me this morning. Oh. And that's why I was late and I apologize. Like, and so her point of the talk was, I know we need to keep things professional at work, but it's important for you as doctors, as our bosses to know that we have lives that aren't run very smoothly sometimes that we have stuff that goes on. So when you invest in understanding about us, we invest more in your business. And it was such a powerful moment because I was that guy who was always like, look, you know, I get it. We got to walk that fine line, but we really can't talk about a lot of business stuff, but that just opened up my eyes. So I appreciate you saying that and what a great idea to do for people. Yes. Well, when people feel understood, mm. they're going to be a lot more loyal and committed to their job. Yes, for sure. They feel understood. They feel accepted. They feel that you care. Yep, for it sure. It produces all of those things. Yeah. And so it makes it really hard for them to not give you their best because you've shown that you care about them. 100%. Um, let me ask you this. Let's talk about some... Uh, some focus that you have when it comes to helping people through that transition of divorce and suicide. We know that is going to affect the business. We know there's only a certain amount of bandwidth. We know no matter how many, I mean, people think that they're great actors and they think they're, they can camouflage their feelings and their frustration, but everyone knows and they can see it. And it's, it's definitely affects your productivity and all that stuff. Um, what are some of the biggest kind of challenges you see during this transition time that affects both the practice and their themselves personally? Well, just not being able to feel like they can express what they're going through. Mm. And that's why having that outlet to talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I have had people say to me before, um, oh, you mean like group therapy before we start our day? Yes. Mm. I mean, it might be, you know, kind of a support group feel, yeah. um, but they need that. They need to just be able to come in. And it's amazing if you give people five minutes each to talk about, and five minutes is a long time, actually, sure. to talk about their personal life. Yep. The rest of the day, they can get through it a lot easier and not feel like they have to talk about it all day long because they've gotten it out. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that even if it was, uh, I, I could see where somebody's in the car and I'm going like five minutes per 10 people, that's 50 minutes an hour before yeah. work. But yeah. listen, even if you took 30 seconds to a minute to do it, right? Yes. And, and also to give people the space to say something as simple as, hey, I'm going through some stuff right now. So uh, just be gentle with me today. Yes, I just want exactly. to warn you right now. Just be like, you don't have to spill your guts. You don't have to, but you know, just to know that it's okay for me to say, listen, guys, I'm going through some stuff. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be focused and I might make some mistakes. So be gentle with me. I'm not planning on it, but if I do know that, that what, what a powerful way to set up your day. It is by the, powerful. By the way, 
the I'm, I'm not talking just about the team members right the docs the leader yes lead the way i love Brene brown's whole idea about being vulnerable and knowing that that's true leadership yes exactly well you know my dentist i'm having to get an implant in fact a couple of implants mm. and my dentist shared with me that she is in the middle of getting one and even showed me the work they had done already. interesting and it made me feel so much better about it you know yeah. that vulnerability that she yeah. would share with me i'm going through this too i'm getting one too see you know and that was really powerful it's amazing what can happen when we let other people know that we can empathize, can sympathize. We've been through that process. I was literally just on a call uh, before we got on the call here doing a, a, a sales training with a TC from an office who was new. And I was talking about, and she was trepidatious about sales, right? And she's like, I don't really do sales and I don't want to feel pushy or like a salesman or whatever. And I was, my whole point teaching her was no, your goal and your job is to help people relate to you. So tell them your story. Tell them your story about braces. How did you feel about braces? Did you enjoy your braces experience? In her case, she didn't. So you tell them what you learned from it. Like that relatability is so important for people. It is. It is. So powerful. Well, and especially things like divorce. I mean, the divorce rate being what it is. Yeah. You can guarantee there's somebody else in that practice who has gone through totally it. Totally gets it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So if I'm in my car driving to work too, I'm also thinking, okay, maybe I'm going through a divorce right now. Maybe I'm now considering uh, hiring a divorce coach, but my primary concern as yours, as you mentioned, was the kids. Yes. How do you help those kids? How, how do I help my kid get through this transition mm -hmm. of really interrupting their life and, mm -hmm. and having an un uncertainty about my future? Well, great question, and I'm glad you asked it, because one of the things you have to reassure children of is that you're not going to stop loving them. Mm. Kids will think because mom and dad stop loving each other, then they might stop loving wow. me. And something I use, and I don't know if it's a good idea or bad idea, I haven't seen research on this. Um, but it has worked for me. And that is, I explain to kids, mom and dad are not blood related, but you and mom are blood related. You and dad are blood related. And you know, kids seem to get that. They seem to accept that as being a plausible explanation. What a really interesting way to put that. You know, even as a kid of divorce, um, that whole idea of it can really easily be planted in your head that love has an expiration to it. Right. Right. That there are certain qualifiers when it comes to yes. love. And uh, I mean, I know myself, I tell, I told this story before, I think I actually just posted it recently on uh, for through Valentine's day and stuff like that about my experience of, I remember telling Shannon when we were first married, I'm like, I will not be completely comfortable in this relationship and our marriage until after 13 years. Because mm. my parents' marriage did not last more than 13 years. So I had that planted in my head. Yes. But for you, to, to, that advice of saying, look, you guys, you are different because you're part of me. Your mom and I are two people who came together and wanted to make this work. But the difference, and that's so important to say, the difference between my love for your mom and my love for you is that it's blood. Yes. 
it's a part of our DNA. That's, that's really smart. I hope that people will take that to heart, that, that piece there. Can you tell us any like real world results of what you've actually seen happen? Uh, just like one or two quick examples. Yes, I have seen people when they move on and they have someone else in their life, which is inevitably going to happen, um, spend holidays together. And I do tell parents, don't do that right off the bat, at least have one year of doing them separately, you know, a separate Christmas, a separate 4th of July. Because if not, the kids aren't going to really believe that you're divorcing. It's mm. not going to seem real to them if you continue to do everything together. Interesting. But after a year, whether you have another significant other or not, if you can at least be present at their ball games and be civil and maybe even sit together and act like you like each other, that is powerful for the children. They need that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a kid who my parents could not be in the same room mm. with each other for, I think it was around 15 years. Like, yeah. it was terrible. Weddings, all that stuff is terrible. Yeah. It was awful. Well, um, and people think when the kids get to college age, that's going to be the end of it. And right. it's not. Because like you said, there's going to be weddings, college graduation, yep. birth of grandchildren. You know, it's going it, to be a lifelong thing. It puts us kids in such an awkward position, like to be like, okay, how do I navigate mom and dad? Like the things we should never have to worry about, even as adult kids that you did and, and it, it stunk. Yeah. Um, the, I wanted to ask real quickly, cause you mentioned this. So what about that whole significant other thing? I'm very opinionated on this. So I'm very excited <laughs> to hear about your opinion about when you do have a significant other, when do you introduce that person to the kids and bring that into their life in your opinion? Oh, interesting that you asked this because I have a personal story about uh -huh. this. Um, I thought this boyfriend and I, you know, I was four years a single mom mm. and I thought this boyfriend and I were pretty serious. Mm. So I introduced my son to him. How long and into the relationship was that? Um, it was several months into okay. it, you know, several months. Um, I mean, it's been a lot of years ago, so I don't remember exactly, but sure, it, was right. it wasn't yeah, weeks roughly. or days. It was right. But the guy and I did end up breaking up. And my son was about four at the time. And for weeks, when I picked him up from daycare, the first thing he would ask me when he got in the car, because this guy had a pond in his backyard, and my son would go out there and look for frogs. Mm. He'd get in the car and he'd say, are we going to go to JC's house and look for frogs in the backyard? Oh, no. Broke my heart. And I realized right then that as well as I thought I handled it, I missed the boat. Yeah. So I vowed right then that the next person I would introduce him to would be somebody I was going to marry. And I did live up to that. The next guy oh. I introduced him to is my husband of now 24 years. That's amazing. And, and uh, like, I can hear someone being like, that's so difficult, that's so hard. But that's why we do it as parents, right? We do the hard yeah. things to yeah. help our kids not go through that emotional uh, uh, turmoil, if you will. Right, because that was a loss for him. Yeah, you know, for it's sure. A loss. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, we could talk about this all day long because I love this topic and I love what you bring into the table. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. We've now come to a place in our show where we have our six rapid fire questions that we love to ask and get your opinion on. Are you willing to play? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay, cool. The first one is, what do you think is the most expensive thing private practice owners are missing in their practices? Um, not recognizing their employees' personal needs and oh, okay. not, yeah. not providing an outlet for them, not providing the opportunity to address them and, and talk about them. Makes so much sense, right? Because if you give them that outlet, they're going to feel more connected to you and more loyal, and therefore they're going to work harder and give you better output. It's just, it's, it's just a, a, a 360 degrees of benefit to you. Yes. What's a book that you think every private practice owner should be reading besides continuous, uh, contentious custody? Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Um, I was going to say contentious. Oh, we're going to put that on the site for sure. We'll actually put links on it. Give us a little tidbit of what contentious custody is about. It talks about putting your kids first and Mm. how you do that and what it takes and uh, reasons why, you know, Mm. the why, but also the how to. It's, It's fine to tell people theoretically you need to do this, but how, how do you do that? It's important, so, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. not just the theory. Well, let me then ask you this. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot. I know it's just for a moment. Okay. Obviously, communication is a huge challenge for so many people, and they need help with it. Are there any communication books that you really like that you would recommend? Oh. That is putting me on the spot. I know. You know, you <laughs> mentioned Brene Brown earlier, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and I love her work. Yeah. I love her work. I, I think anything that she has done um awesome so like anybody here uh, listening could and i and i by the way i think it's really important for uh, if you're a male doctor listening to this because you deal with so many females inside of your office to understand books like Brene brown and rachel hollis and elizabeth gilbert because you can relate a little bit more to what the female perspective is oh you mentioned rachel harris um Made for more. I have a little note here by my computer. Made for more is is her thing. Um, And it's excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for that. Sorry for putting you on the spot. Uh, One of my things that I focus a ton on is team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. What do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture? Again, not providing that outlet of talking about personal stuff. We have to stop thinking when you're at work, you're at work. Yeah. When you're a parent and you're at work, you are always still a parent. Sure. And that child is always still on your mind and always needs your attention. And it's worse when you're going through divorce or any life transition because you often don't have another helper. You you don't have that helpmate anymore. You've got it on your own. And so just recognizing that people do have lives. And I have, I have a client right now who has a, an office manager who had gone through a divorce about three years ago, but now is in that place of the, the, the child is a teenager and she's in a lot of activities. And now she's living in that space of like, I don't want to be missing all of these things because I already feel guilty about the divorce situation. And now I'm not there for all of her baseball games or whatever it is. 
So having that space to have that conversation, man, we could have a whole nother, we should have a whole nother uh, episode on how do you balance that? Cause you are still a business and you still want to like, let them know you're doing that you're focused on the business side of things, but how do you, how do you play that, that line? So yeah, that's great. I love that. Uh, we mentioned how people can listen to you or to reach out to you. Let's give out that website and your email address again. Yes. Well, the website is www, of course, uh, marlenebizub.com. And then okay. the email is just drmarlene at marlenebizub.com. Oh, perfect. That makes it really easy. Okay. Yeah. So what's the best advice that you've ever received on life or in business? My father used to say this to me all the time, and it has served me well. Kill them with kindness. Mm. That would be the best piece of advice. Kill them with kindness. No yeah. matter what's going on, you can always be kind. And because it makes it not about them, it makes it about you. Yes, And about absolutely. you. Like, who are you? Who are you? Are you going to keep that integrity of who you say you are? Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Love it. All right, last question. What is the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner or business owner should be using to grow their business? Honestly, I would say we're using it right now. I would say Zoom. Oh, nice. So yes. I thought I could say podcast, but Zoom, you're right. It's great. Yes. Zoom is great because you can have meetings when you're home or you know wherever you are, whatever you're doing anywhere yep. in the country as you know yep um, in the world yeah. yeah no absolutely i love it i think zoom is uh we should probably have them as a sponsor it, it's a great resource i actually uh transitioned my entire business online a couple of years ago because i i needed something and zoom was a way to do it you and i can have this conversation you're in colorado i'm in arizona right now and we can have this amazing conversation between the two of us because of it. So that's awesome. Thank you for promoting that. That's great. Well, well, Dr. Marlene, you've been a treasure to talk to. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of your insights, your tips, your ideas, uh, especially my own ahas here about, yeah, the love. Uh, kids do think that love has an expiration, but if you talk to them about that blood bond, it's going to make it a lot easier. Yes. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, everybody, again, another great episode in the books with another great uh, uh, guest who hopefully has helped you learn the value of conversation, of maybe even if you are struggling with a divorce situation, going through a divorce coach and learning more about how you can help your kids uh, transition through that and uh, not have such a contentious custody situation, if you will. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to share this with your friends or colleagues. And remember that our goal here always on the Propreneur Podcast is to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. See you on the next episode, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.